WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Chappie's Good Food on Main Street and Roxbury for lunch, dinner, and cocktails. And Chappie's sister restaurant, the Old Mill Steakhouse, just around the corner on Bridge Street. Chappie's open every day. The Old Mill Steakhouse, open on weekends. 607-326-7020 or chappiesgoodfood.com. Mountain Flame in Arkville, featuring a range of products for home heating solutions. A variety of fireplaces, wood stoves, and gas and pellet stoves are available and on display. For sales and service, Mountain Flame in Arkville. Warming home since 1980. Details at mountainflame.com. Rick's Tire Service. Family owned and operated on State Route 30 between Roxbury and Grand Gorge. Tires mounting and wheel balancing for cars, trucks, lawn, garden, farm, and construction vehicles. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 till noon. More information at 800 LG Tires. 800 LG Tires. I'm Diana Mason, the host of Health Cetera in the Catskills on WIOX Roxbury. I'm also board chair for Catskills Pathways to Recovery, and I want to invite you to the 5th Annual Community Action Summit on May 12th at the Pine Hill Community Center or virtually online. This year's summit will focus on reducing the stigma that is associated with pregnancy, parenting, and just living for those in our communities who are dealing with substance use disorders and addictions, and their friends, family members, neighbors, and employers. Guest speakers will lead conversations about these issues and share community resources available in our region to help. Attendance is open to all, but registration is required. The Catskills Pathways to Recovery Community Action Summit, Friday, May 12th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Pine Hill Community Center or online. Information and registration at CatskillsPathwaysToRecovery.org.
Okay, you are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi, and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones, and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm well. I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying spring. I uh, went fishing. Oh, had some luck. Good. As I normally, often do when the streams are swollen. Do you eat that luck? Hell yeah! You think I throw it back? That's awesome. I'm, I'm not. Come on. I'm hungry. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Yeah. No, I can't complain. It was really good. I, you know, they're brown trout, and uh, I like brown trout. They're fine. Baked. Baked. Baked with. Uh, Italian breadcrumbs, just basic breadcrumbs you get at the store, and a little maple syrup after it's done cooking. Yeah, man, it's good. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. So, I don't know, the little kids ate it up, but you know, as they get older, they get squeamish of the whole fish on the plate thing. You leave the heads on? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, is that why they're squeamish? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, because you, you end up wasting a little bit when you take the heads off. There's, there's some meat in there, man. Yeah, there's cheek, some meat. cheek meat. On the on a walleye, if you get it, um, they call it the medallion. It's delicious. It tastes like scallops. Oh, yeah? There's a big cheek piece there that everybody forgets about. It's good. No kidding. Huh. I did a little youth turkey hunting this weekend. I'm not a youth, but I took somebody out. Oh, yeah? Yep. How'd that go? Uh, we called in three toms and a jake to close quarters. Yeah? I... I Thought it was all going to come together, and the gun went off, and the turkeys walked away. <laughs> Did not shoot it in the face. A wide miss. But a wide it, miss. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, you couldn't ask. I mean, I, tell you what, it'd be hard to match that all season long, what we went through for that short uh, short hunt. It was fun. That's cool, though. So Sweet. Yep, called them right in on a string. Really? I still yeah. got it. <laughs> I still got it. Yeah, that's right. So it's a uh, regular season opens up usually May first, right? Yeah, it's the month of May. Okay, but they let the kiddos have a have a weekend two weeks prior. Ah, oh, jeez, I tell you. Yeah, special privileges. Special privileges. Everyone's special. So, um, yeah, I've been starting the process of tanning, and uh, got a got a deer hide all fleshed out and ready to become leather. Hopefully, you know. You know, I had a bear one time take out one of those 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 hides sitting in a lime solution. Mm. Yeah, that bear. You could tell he dragged it about five yards and went, holy crap. I messed up. <laughs> I messed up real bad. <laughs> They're so curious. He sees a garbage can. He thinks there's got to be something in there. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. In any case, tonight's show is Discover Diversity of Tree Syrup with New Leaf Tree Syrup's Michael Farrell. Uh, Mr. Farrell is the co-founder and CEO of New Leaf Tree Syrups. He's a, grad, he's a graduate with a master's degree from the SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry. Um, before that, he spent 13 years as director of Cornell University's Uline Forest. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Maple Syrup Research Station in Lake Placid, New York. And let me see if I can get him on the phone. Michael, are you there? I am here. All right. First of all, how, how what do you want to be called? Is it Mike, Michael, what Dr. Farrell, what uh, is it? <laughs> Some people say Dr. Maple, but you, you can call me Mike. Okay, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing great. 
uh, another great spring day here. Yeah, where are you calling in from? I'm in Lake Placid right now. No kidding. All right. So I remember seeing you at school. Um, didn't you? You worked with as a forester at, for the state as well, didn't you? Yeah. So I um, my first job when I graduated from uh, forestry school at ESF was um, as a public service forester for. It was a joint position with Cornell and uh, New York State DC in St. Lawrence County, where I got to spend a year um, helping landowners develop management plans and figure out what to do with their woods. It was it was a great job um, coming right out of forestry school to be able to go practice great forestry and help people figure out what to do with them. And uh, before we get into the you know the meat of the show, like what got you into forestry, maple, whatnot, all that. Um, well, you know, I, <clears throat> in undergrad, I studied economics, but then really, uh, had a calling for more stuff to do with nature and forest. That's where, that's where my heart was. And, you know, I got an environmental studies minor, um, this was at Hamilton College. And, you know, in the environmental studies field, especially this is late 90s, there was so much talk and, uh, about how logging destroying forests and, you know, how destructive it is. And then I got some other books um, and got some other uh, knowledge. You know, once I graduated and I was working as an environmental educator and met other people in the field, they turned me on to the fact that, you know, logging can be a really a positive force. And the way that we manage forests, it can be good or it can be bad, but, you know, there's definitely an opportunity to have a positive impact on the forest uh, by managing it and cutting trees. And so it really intrigued me. I went to grad school then. Uh, I, I decided to apply for Masters in Forestry. went to ESF, which is a you know, fantastic experience, great school. Uh, and that's where I really learned about about how to take care of the forest and um and I also luckily learned about maple syrup uh, there as well. Uh, we did a school field trip. Uh, I forget which class it was, but we went down to the Highberg Forest for um, it was a pancake breakfast weekend at the, you know in March, and we got to learn all about how they tap trees and collect sap, boil down, and we had this delicious pancake breakfast meal. It was just an amazing experience, and I had never had pure maple syrup before. I, we, yeah, I grew up on the fake stuff like almost everybody else, unfortunately, in America. And, you know, this was just a really amazing process. So I immediately, next home, next weekend, went home, started tapping trees in Lake George, where I, where I grew up, and, uh, um, you know, started making all the mistakes beginners make. So, But it was the start of a long journey that uh, I'm very fortunate to, to have it. What's your favorite part about the whole process? Um, it's that time of the year that you know you're you're sick of winter, and it starts to get nice out. The sap starts to flow. You feel the the warm sun, and you're drinking sap right from the trees. And I mean that's my favorite product as well. Is just the sap from the tree. I drink a lot of sap <laughs> during the sugaring season, then I freeze it year-round use as well, but just being out in the woods and 
uh, you know, the sugar bush is the most beautiful wood there is as well. And uh, especially that time of the year when, uh, um, you know, winter's giving way to spring and it's just, uh, just so nice to be out there as the forest is coming to life. Yeah, no doubt. Can definitely relate to all of that. I don't know. I took a year off this year, so I miss I miss the syrup. I miss the season. How was your year this year, Mike? Um, we didn't do horrible, but it certainly wasn't a great year. Where we have we have two operations: one's in Lion Mountain, New York, and the other's in Marshfield, Vermont. They're both high elevation, um, and it just didn't get cold enough. I mean, sorry, it didn't get warm enough in March. At the higher elevations, we had just little runs here and there. And then in April, it just warmed up way too fast. So 75, 80 degree weather for the week straight there. Yeah. You know, it was just starting to run good that Easter weekend. And then it just got too hot. So, um, you know, we were, you know, a little disappointed. But, you know, that's what happens. You take the good years to the bad. The previous year was, was fantastic. So, you know, you never know. So let's talk about this new leaf tree syrups. Um, a little background on it. Yeah, tell us how this got started. Uh, about seven years ago, uh, I met my business partner. Um, this is back when I was still running the uh, Cornell Maple Research Center in Lake Placid. Um, I was, you know, able to do a little bit of private consulting on the side, and um, Dwight. Uh, he contacted me, asked me if I would help him. He wanted to invest in northeastern forest and conserve forest land and start maple syrup production and, you know, be able to make great products and create, um, you know, really good jobs here in the North Country and was looking for somebody to help him with it. And, I, you know, it sounded great. So I certainly said, yeah, I'd love to help you. And, you know, we, we spent a... You know, a good bit of time just figuring out where, what would be the best thing to do, what are possible avenues to pursue. Uh, you know, we got along great, and um, and it wound up being a much bigger project than I envisioned. <laughs> so um, I originally just was just going to advise them on, on what to do and, you know, who to hire. But, you know, it it took on a life of its own and we got some really great opportunities. And so I had to make a, a pretty difficult decision to give up my job at Cornell, which was a fantastic position. I mean, I love the research and education I got to do for the maple syrup at, you know, industry. There's, it was, it was a dream job. I expected to retire out of that job. And, but I also had a family with young kids. I was trying to do a great job at Cornell and also do a great job with Dwight on the development of the new business. And there was just not enough hours in the day. And so I said, you know, after a couple of years, I decided to uh, give up that and, and just focus on uh, on the company, which, you know, New Leaf Tree Syrups is one of our brands. Um, but our, our forest, uh, sorry, our company that we developed is called the Forest Farmers. And so we... Uh, you know, we bought uh, large tracts of land in both Vermont and New York. Uh, we just do really good opportunities, beautiful forest land, and 
couple hours apart from each other and uh, got started. That was back in 2017. And this New Leaf Tree Syrups, I mean, this is kind of new probably to a lot of our listeners, but, you know, you claim that you have the greatest diversity of plant-based syrups in the world. So you're not just tapping maple. Yeah. Don't just claim it. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we um, – so we're tapping – Tap about 150,000 maple, uh, about 45,000 birch trees, uh, close to 6,000 beech, and several hundred um, walnut, uh, the butternut, white walnut trees. White walnut. So, huh? yeah, uh, we have an incredible resource of butternut in our – butternut or white walnut is getting it for it um, at one of our stands in, uh, in New York. So – yeah, uh, you know, when I was at Cornell, we uh, did a lot of research on an extension on the other types of tree sass and syrups you can do. Um, and, you know, when we were starting the new business, you know, we wanted to uh, take this to a new level and do it on a large scale. You know, I, I've helped a lot of people, you know, do it on a, a smaller scale, and I certainly got to do a lot of research on it. But there was, you know, they need an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, you know, to distinguish ourselves in the marketplace, uh, have something that, you know, made our product, our company unique and different, and and great opportunity to you know, fill some, you know, there's small niche markets, but certainly there's a lot of interest out there from people who love maple syrup and are just intrigued that you can get if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is Discover Diversity of Tree Syrup with New Leaf Tree Syrups, Michael Farrell. Before I, I want to ask you about each of those tree species, I think that might be really interesting to, to listeners. Tell us about this this forest farmers that you guys created. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's, uh, that's our, our overall company, and the idea is basically protecting forests by you know, farming them for various uh, uh, foods. You know, obviously the biggest ones we do are the, you know, sap and related products from, from all those tree species. But uh, one of the other reasons, that, one of the things that really drew me to the, when I was, I looked at a lot of different lands for where, where to buy and uh, came across some just incredible land that had hundreds of acres just carpeted with wild ranch this time of year. I was out looking, you know, in May. And it's, you know, for anybody who knows uh, ramps, they only grow on really good sites. And so you know it was a great sugar bush. And they're just such an incredible delicacy that, you know, unfortunately has been over-harvested uh, quite a bit in a lot of places. Uh, so, you know, we, uh, you know, we started Forest Farmers. Our main product, obviously, is sap and syrup, but ramps is an example of, Another thing that we harvest uh, from the forest to to try to get as much different uh, value that we can, uh, you know, and, and leaving those forests mostly standing. You know, we do obviously some, you know, improvement thinning, and it's not like we don't cut any trees, but, you know, we're, our main goal is to keep those mature forests as is you know, for, for generations to come. So, do you um, guys have so, a team that harvests these ramps? Like, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
our, our team that is our, our sugar makers um, that, that are out packing trees January and February and March and fixing all the leaks and everything. Um, come May, they're either pulling spouts or pulling ramp leaves out of the ground. We really don't harvest many bulbs. We, we do harvest some bulbs in areas that we know are going to get, um, you know, converted to ATV trail. We, you know, anywhere we know we're going to put in an ATV trail and the ramps are going to get run over. That's where we'll harvest the bulbs from. And we, we actually sell them to another company that provides bulbs for people who want to start their own ramp in their backyard, therefore. So, um, but our main market is we just harvest and quite a bit of leaves for uh, a spice company uh, called Burlap and Barrel that um, they dry and crush the and then sell them as spice year-round. And so that's just a, a great partnership for the ability for us to, you know, we have hundreds of acres of these ramps, and we want to make sure we always have hundreds of acres of ramps. So by just picking off one leaf out of the plant, you know, they either have two or three leaves on each plant when they come up in April, and we just, just taking the leaf allows the other the, the other leaf to continue to, Split plant, put in a new bulb that's going to come up year after year, and people then can then have lamp leaves to you know season their food with year round, and so that's one of the types of things that we're doing to uh, you know to try to you know sustain the forest. It, you know, it provides also the guys who are who are doing this work. They love the extra work to be able to do it. Um, actually. Three or four years ago now, we brought in um, 12 Jamaicans under the H2A program. Uh, they had spent a lot of time in the area for many years um, picking apples at local orchards in the fall and met with them and asked if they wanted to come spend winter with us uh, at Tapping Trees and everything, and they, they love it. Um, and so, you know, they've... They've grown accustomed to winter, and they like it in the spring, too, when it gets nice and warm. And so they stay for an extra couple of weeks to help pick uh, all the ramp leaves. Yeah, that's one way, I guess, yeah, get, get it all year round instead of just, you know, it's kind of the, one of the challenges, right, of, of maple sugar industry is that it can be seasonal. But I guess you guys are getting around that. Yeah, um, and so that, that's, you know, with doing different types of tree syrup, it also helps with the seasonality as well because um you know so for instance our crew they come in all of our seasonal workers come in beginning of january and it takes us two months to tap all the trees you know we have 150,000 maples to tap so you get started early and you know you're you're hopefully done by march 1st all throughout march is when we're fixing all the vacuum leaks on the maple you know, middle to end of March is when we'll start tapping the beach once we get our vacuum up on the maple. And then beginning of April, we'll start tapping uh, the birch. And so that'll go for a couple weeks. And, and you know, all that time um, is devoted to a certain type of tree species, certain type of activity, and then spout pulling at the end. It's a, it provides, you know, full employment for these guys who want to work and, and they do a great job. And so rather than, say, a lull where you might be waiting around for, okay, 
you know, all the trees are tapped, we got a leak stick. What are we going to do until the season's over? Well, when you're when you're working with other tree species, uh, there's always other stuff to do. It sounds like your timeline overlapped a little bit on seasons. Do you have multiple va- evaporators yeah. to be boiling on? <laughs> yeah, we do. So sometimes it gets a little heavy. <laughs> wow, that must get um, really complicated. Yeah, this year, it you know the bird season came early when it got really warm, and so. There's always a little bit of overlap, but this year there was a, a lot of overlap between maple and birch. Um, usually, birch is starting to flow when maple is starting to slow down. And so we do have multiple evaporators, um, and we'll use, you know, one for, you know, say for our New York facility, we have two large evaporators and one small one. The small one is what we boil the beach on, and then we do... Uh, our birch is, is done on a steam evaporator, uh, and that's what makes it taste really good, is being able to boil it on steam so you don't scorch the sugars. And then we have a you know an oil-fire traditional uh, evaporator right now for the maple syrup, which helps give it a you know a nice, deep caramel flavor. So um, choosing the right type of sap processing and boiling method is, is really critical as well when you're dealing with different types of trees. So, uh, Mike, let's define some terms before we get into the syrups. How would you define sustainable and, 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 and why is it good and diversity and why is it good? You know, you hear these terms all the time being thrown around. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I remember my ESF days, one of the things, you know, that was uh, – I, I remember the definition then that I learned was sustainability was the ability to meet the needs of – current generation without compromising the needs of future generations to meet their needs. And so, you know, there's lots of different definitions of it, but, you know, and the word sustainable gets thrown around all the time. There's some things that are or aren't. Um, You know, it gets greenwashed a lot. But, um, you know, we're, we're trying to be, you know, everybody is, you know, <laughs> contributing you know, the unsustainable things in our environment um, just by driving to work or whatever. There's a lot of things we can do to improve, but we're always trying to improve and trying to do the best we can with the resources. And so, um, you know, some of the things we've done, in a, you know, in addition on our forest to try to, try to do the right thing, um, you know, we put a carbon easement on it so that we don't cut more than the forest grows for the next 100 years. Uh, conservation easement to uh, prevent any further commercial or residential development. Uh, you know, we got certified by the Audubon Society for the Bird Friendly Program. So we're trying to – and diversity is one of those things that helps um, – you know, not just say it has multiple benefits because you're 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 not just having say a maple monoculture where you're cutting everything else besides the maple, um, but you're trying to encourage as much tree species diversity as possible, which leads to you know songbird diversity and you know all those other great aspects of having diverse plant and animal 
it's it's intentional act uh, to to have a diverse forest, to have diverse products from that forest, which you know the markets help them support that. So when you can continue to get a valuable product from not just maple, but the beech, the birch, the walnut. The next one's probably going to be basswood. Um, of, of, and keep that diverse, healthy forest that leads to, you know, all the benefits that go to. Mike, Mike, um, what what challenges you in this industry the most from being sustainable? Well, there's, there's lots of challenges, but none of them have to do with sustainability. Aspects. Right. Doing the right thing by the forest is the right thing for your business, too. Um, but, you know, we could spend the next half hour talking about the challenges of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, what comes to mind but, the most? Um, well, you know, there's, uh, you know, when you're running a business, you have what's this? Um, you know, if it wasn't for the um, the employees and the customers, then business would be easy. Right? So, yeah, sure. Um, you know, we have 35 employees right now. Um, I think we have a great team right now, but we've certainly had plenty of turnover years uh, getting to this point. Um, and, uh, you know, so almost every business right now is struggling in, in, in with labor. Um, it's uh, not unique to the maple syrup business, uh, and we're certainly not unique in that regard. Right. Um, one of the best things we did was pursue the H2A program and bring in uh, the Jamaicans who, you know, absolutely, you know, they love the work, they appreciate it, um, and they, they want to learn and do a great job. You know, we I don't know if we'd still be in business if we didn't have programming. It's been so hard to find. You know, we we do hire a lot of locals, but um, there's not enough locals to support the business to the level we wanted to grow it at. And we were struggling finding people. So this was, uh, this was a solution to what was a pretty big challenge um, for us. Yeah, and then on the the market side, you know, we're price takers, not price makers. Um, On the bulk syrup side, you know, and you know, in the first few years starting the business, bulk syrup prices just kept on going down. Uh, They picked up a couple years ago, but this year they're down a little bit again. Um, Yet, you know, cost of everything, plus fuel, plus materials, supplies are still going up. So. There's, um, you know, it's uh, we, we've developed some great markets, uh, but you know, it's it's, it's expensive to do that to, um, to get out there to the marketplace as a new business and uh, develop those relationships. So, uh, but you know, it's, we're doing pretty good, and but there's every day is a new challenge, and you just do the best you can. Sure. Um, after the break, we're going to take a break, but I want to talk to you. We're going to get right into the different tree species. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is Discover Diversity of Tree Syrup with New Leaf Tree Syrups. Michael Farrell. 
tuning in you're listening to from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m talk about a different forest related topic tonight's topic is discover diversity of tree syrups with new leaf tree syrups michael farrell so mike um if we have time we'll go into maple we've talked about maple quite a bit but uh birch john you got some questions about birch or what yeah so birch um i guess give us a little rundown quick about you know who's buying it what it's it for Things like that. We have talked a little bit about it on this show before, but I really want to ask you about the processing. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, you want, you want to know about the process of making it or the, the end uses? Well, let's talk about the end uses first. Who's buying it and, you know, what is it? What does it taste like? What's different about it than maple? Sure, yeah. So it's got a completely different flavor profile than maple. you got to, just because they both say syrup at the end and they're both from a tree, they shouldn't be used <laughs> the same way at all. So you really should never, you know, most people put maple syrup on pancakes and waffles. That's how probably 95% of maple syrup is used. And birch syrup should never be used on pancakes and waffles. It's just not the right type of flavor profile. It's just, um, just meant for savory applications. So it's used a lot in sauces and glaze and marinades where it can really shine and bring out really incredible flavors um, and so it's it's a culinary ingredient like we, we call it we call it syrup but it should be used more as like a glaze or a drizzle or, 
there's something a reduction like a balsamic, but not not definitely for for the breakfast table. So, so who um, is it? Is there a, mostly just a retail market then, or is there somebody buying a it's bulk, a, bulk customer yeah, a a restaurant of, chain? Yeah, no chains. Um, it's a niche market, um, so it's not. Although I mean, it, we do sell our bird syrup in Whole Foods in the Northeast, uh, so. That's the biggest, I'd say, retailer we have. Most people selling birch syrup on the retail side. It's at fairs and festivals and farmers markets and craft shows, people who are selling birch syrup. Um, you really hardly ever find it at, at a grocery store. I mean, Whole Foods in the Northeast is one of the only major retailers I know of that carries it. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are buying it because if they know what it tastes like, they're going to buy it because they want to use it as music in their cooking. And if they don't know what it tastes like, then they want to buy it to find out what it tastes like because they're very intrigued by it. So those are the two types of uh, – and people want to buy it as a gift to somebody because it's unique. And um, what what makes it so different? I mean, birch was the, you know, was the first one that I had heard of as far as an alternative tree syrup. Um, do you know what? Why it's why doesn't it taste like maple? Why isn't there anything um, oh, maple-y oh, yeah. about it? It's coming from a tree. Yeah, no, it's a great, great question. Um, the sugars that are in birch sap are primarily glucose and fructose, whereas the sugar in maple sap is almost entirely sucrose. And they have different um, points at which they caramelize, and so. You're going to, when you boil birch syrup, if anybody who's seen birch syrup, usually it comes out really dark. And that's because the glucose and fructose got scorched at those high boiling temperatures of, um, you know, that you'd find in a, when you're boiling maple syrup in a typical way. So um, that's the one of the main reasons why it tastes different is because of types of sugars. And then there's also just, it's like a raspberry tastes different than a blueberry. Um, you know, different tree ships also different, just have different flavors. Um, but the birch tastes the most different from anything else because of the high glucose and fructose content in the, in the sugars. Does species matter between black birch, yellow birch, white birch? <laughs> I know it makes the same um, product it, in maple. It might. Yeah, it might, you know, because some people, for instance, can tell the difference between, say, a red maple syrup or a sugar maple or a Norway maple or a silver maple. You know, all maple syrup tastes a little different depending on the soils and possibly the species and the way it's boiled, all that stuff. There's so many different nuances and flavors of maple syrup. Um, and I'm sure there's those same types of nuances in birch syrup, but... Uh, there hasn't been enough research on that to, to really say for sure. Um, and birch syrup has such a strong flavor that to be able to tell the difference between, say, yellow birch or black birch or paper birch, it'd be pretty difficult. Hmm. It has much more to do with how you process the fat, how it's boiled, how long it's boiled, um, whether it's steam or wood fire or you know, whatever that 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 impacts the flavor much more so than the, the type of birch species it is. And they all, all have about the same sugar contents then? 
And then unfortunately, it's very low. Okay. <laughs> so that's one of the other big differences is that, say, our sugar cost on average is maybe 0.5% sugar on birch. So you're looking at, you know, it's somewhere between 150 to 200 gallons of birch sap per gallon of syrup. And so I have told way more people not to make birch syrup than I have advised them to make birch syrup. Yeah, you're doing it. You don't, yeah, it's definitely. Well, when we're doing it because we're able to utilize that same reverse osmosis and evaporator that we use for maple um, when maple is not being used. So we say, for instance, like I mentioned before, we have two large evaporators. You know, there are a lot of times this season that we're running both evaporators because we have so much maple sap to process. But by the time you get towards the end of the maple season, you can handle all that with one evaporator. The other evaporator gets used for birch syrup. Um, and we have high-powered reverse osmosis where we're taking out well over 90% of the water before we start boiling it. And then a steam evaporator that's really efficient to be able to remove the rest of the water without scorching Gotcha. So, well, that's really neat. If um, you don't have that, yeah, I was just going to say, if you don't have that technology, you're just and you're just trying to do like backyard birch syrup making. Like you can do backyard maple syrup making. It's going to take a lot of time and fuel, and you're probably not going to be happy with the flavor of the finished product. Oh yeah, I made a gallon once and that'll just once. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if you you can do it without that technology. You can just keep it at a low simmer and never let it really boil. It takes forever, but you can. the flavor usually comes out really good. If you boil it hard for a long time from raw sap, it's going to come out really dark, really strong, and not for everybody's palate. Well, what about some of these other ones then? Um, I mean, you mentioned walnut. That seems, man, that seems really cool. But first off, how do you get enough walnut to tap? You said you have 6,000 in a stand. That's got to be quite the stand of butternut. Oh, no, we have 6,000 beech. Oh, I thought I thought you had said 6,000 butternut. I mean, even, even a few I, hundred I, butternut. I wish we, I wish we had 6,000 butternut. Ah, okay. All right, my bad, my bad. Anyway, so how's, how's, how's the, the syrup? <laughs> yeah, the, the syrup's incredible. Um, and the thing about butternut or black walnut, any walnut species, is that it runs the same time as maple, um, same mechanism. It's a freeze-thaw mechanism, just like the maple. You know, birch is a root pressure. You know, that's not going to happen until maple season's almost over. Whereas walnut, every day you get walnut tap flow from maple, you're likely going to get it from walnut. Some, you know... There's a little bit of nuance here and there, but it's the same driving mechanism of freezing and thawing. What's that it, is, um, what's it taste like? You know, causing the sap to flow. Mike, what's it taste like in uh, the your uh, your walnut syrup? Um, because it's from a nut tree, a lot of people describe it as a little bit nutty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think that's you know kind of your your head. You know, it maybe might be a little bit nutty, but it doesn't taste like a walnut. It tastes a, actually a lot more like a maple syrup. Maybe a little bit more butterscotch to it. Uh, it's but it's got a really nice, deep, rich flavor. Um, and uh, so it's 
maybe kind of honey-like, kind of butterscotch, a little bit of kind of maple. I remember back at, when I was at Cornell, I when I was doing research on walnut syrup, I had a bunch of maple syrup producers try this maple syrup that I gave them, and nobody, everybody thought it was really good maple syrup. Nobody said, wait, that's not maple. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. So, you, so, no, go ahead. Yeah, but if I did that with birch syrup, Everybody, nobody would think it's maple. Right? Right. So birch syrup is so different. Walnut syrup is close enough to maple that even a maple syrup producer could think, "Oh, this this might be maple." Have you ever made or tried sycamore syrup? Because there's a Gary Mead who's on the show a lot. He uh, he brought us in some sycamore syrup ones, and that tasted yeah. like butterscotch. Yeah, definitely. That has a really strong butterscotch flavor. Um, we don't have any sycamore in our property, so I haven't been able to, to do it ourselves. But Plus, we don't know uh, when it I runs. Have. It makes no sense, that tree, when it runs. I, it, we it, couldn't figure exactly. it out. <laughs> Nobody can figure it out, yeah. There's actually uh, there's, there's a really great guy at the <laughs> University of New Hampshire doing his PhD right now on, um, on alternative tree syrups. He was on and, the show. We uh, had, I think we had that guy on the show. Oh, great, yeah. I'm pretty Excellent. sure we did. From Crooked yeah. Chimney or something? I don't know. He was doing Crooked his... Chimney, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, you know, he, he probably told you, I have no idea what, what's happening with Sigmar. Why they won't run sometimes, not others, and just makes no sense. Well, yeah, that's what so. we did. I mean, we tapped a bunch, and when we made, it ran randomly once. I don't know how, but we made some, and it, ours tasted like honey. It didn't take like, okay. taste, it didn't taste like the uh, butterscotch we had tried earlier, so I okay. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, who's buying yeah, walnut, uh, Mike? Mike, who, who's buying walnut and what for? Like, it, it, is that selling? You seeing a, a, an uptick in that or what? Uh, yeah, it's the same type of market for birch, except for I would just pick out the chef part of it. It's more of the novelty gift market. Yeah. People who are intrigued that you can get walnuts here if I want to try it. Yeah, so, I would think a lot of this is people so People give me out the gift. A lot of this is so new that nobody knows what the markets might become, yeah. right? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, they're never going to be huge markets. I mean, there's just not a, nearly the amount of trees out there, for, for one. Um, and, you know, maple syrup has a long, rich history, all these other different types of tree syrups. They'll always be smaller, niche markets, but, you know, there's always going to be an interest for people. Who want to make other types of tree syrup, and then also people who want to buy them and, and use them. And a lot of adventurous uh, chefs out there, and people who love food and love to cook. So the one that really sparked my interest on this list was beech. Obviously, it's a resource that no one knows what to do with. We've got so much of it; it's it's abundant in really all the northeast forests, especially in the mismanaged ones. Uh, could this yep. be uh, our our resource uh, dream here? Uh, I wouldn't call it a dream, no. but uh, <laughs> all right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, right. A dream more like a forester's nightmare. <laughs> you know, whipped yeah. in the face by uh, beach whips all day long. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I learned at ESF about was you know how beaches you know decimating the forest because the problem with beach, um, and for your listeners who might not know, beach bark disease has, you know, basically killed off almost all the large mature beach. And when they start to die, 
they send up root suckers out of there throughout the base of the forest. The deer don't eat those, and so, you know, deer preferentially browse, say, maple and cherry and birch and oak, and they'll leave the beach. And so you wind up with understories that are just dominated by beach. And as soon as they get to what would be a mature size, they start to get beach bark disease, and they're going to start to So it's, it's an ecological nightmare. Um, but if that's what you have, you know, as the saying goes, you know, like there's lemons to make lemonade. If you have a lot of beach and you don't know what to do with it, um, you know, beach syrup is actually, that is, <laughs> that's maybe the dream product of an otherwise nightmarish ecological situation of forest just being overtaken by beach. That's not healthy. Um, you can start tapping them when they're pretty small. And, and you shouldn't wait till like, you know, say like with a maple tree, you want to wait till it gets to 10 inches. So if you waited till 10 inches on beach, they'd pretty much all be dead. Um, so you can start tapping them when they're, say, maybe three or four inches in diameter. And you don't get a lot of sap, and the sap's not high in sugar, but there's a lot of, you know, stems out there. So your, your yield per tree is going to be pretty low. But if you have a pretty thick stand and they're all close together, um, your tubing you can wind up. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's pretty easy to do. We only have just 6,000 trees we tap. It's only in, in one area of our forest that had a sheltered cut about 30 years ago. And so we have a lot of really healthy six to eight inch beach. Mixed in with other, it was a good shelter with it. It led to really great regeneration. Beach isn't a huge component, but it's a strong enough component for us to get 6,000 beach taps in that area. And, you know, other parts of our forest, it's just, a, you know, the, the old beach is all dying. We're not going to try to tap that. Um, and the, the, the little saplings are only one to two inches maybe around. But where you did that, where they did that shelter wood, the beach are vigorous, and, you know, they, they, they provide a good sap yield. For, we're probably only going to be able to do it for another 15, 20 years maybe before all those beaches are going to start to die off. Beach park. Well, do you remember when UVM, so, this is what I was envisioning, remember when UVM was doing that study where they were planting the super sweets and then they were cutting off the, yeah. when they were like three-inch yep. stems, they were cutting them at, at breast height and, and putting the vacuum cups on them? Maybe that's a way to, yep. you know, prolong your yield or something. Um, yeah, that's that's how they discovered beach. So Abby Vandenberg at UVM was the first one to discover you could actually get that out of beach because they were doing this vacuum suction on maple, and they said, well, we got some other ones here. We can suck, maybe we can try to suck some sap out of some other species. And it worked really well on birch, and they found it also worked on beach. Nobody before that had ever known that you could get sap out of beach. If you just drill a hole on a beach tree and hang a bucket, you're going to get no sap. Hmm. You got to get It's vacuum all up. created by by vacuum. Yeah, vacuum drawing water up through the roots and creating a sap, which is it's not that high in sugar. It's only maybe 0.5 percent again. Oh. Um, but if you have the right processing technology to be able to, you know, remove most of the water before you boil, it's not a big deal, and so you, know, you can. 
You get a, and it tastes great, by the way. That's I mean, what I was going to ask. Sure. So what's it taste like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It tastes like um, it's got like a lot of raisiny fig type of notes to it. It's got a little bit more glucose and fructose than maple. So it's generally darker, but it's not anywhere close to what birch is. Um, and it's uh, it's delicious. Uh, so it's a pancake you know, syrup, maybe. Oh, you can definitely use it on pancakes, but it's also extremely expensive um, because you get such a low yield from the trees, and it's so rare. Um, we stopped selling it in our 12-ounce bottles because we were going to have to charge so much. I just felt like it was – I just felt ridiculous charging that much. But if we didn't charge that much, we were losing money <laughs> <laughs> selling it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we just sell it in a two-ounce bottle um, because – just so people can basically get a taste. Mike, we're, uh, so we're running out of... We only got about four minutes, believe it or not. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about these other rare tree species that you're using, like um, balsam, hickory. How are you using those? Oh, so that's not with the sap. That's more of an infusion into the syrup. So right. the hickory bark, you might have heard of shag bark hickory syrup. Yeah. Um, where... People doing that, everybody else was just making a sugar syrup, simple syrup, and adding the hickory bark for flavor. We decided just to fuse the, that toasted hickory bark right into maple syrup, and it gets a really nice toasted, spoky, hickory-type uh, you know, essence to the maple syrup that people love. Um, I didn't want to do a sugar syrup <laughs> from cane sugar, so everything we do is from before. Um and then with the balsam fir as well, you know, like balsam is that quintessential, incredible uh, you know, smell that every, you know, a lot of people associate with Christmas time. It is the number one Christmas tree in the Northeast. And you put those branches into the syrup, let it infuse for a couple of days, and you get that balsam essence and aroma into the maple syrup. And it's just a, it's a great thing, especially around the holiday. Yeah, I bet. That's a good idea. I can see that. Um, Mike, what, what, where do you see the future of this going, uh, markets, business-wise, whatnot? Well, I, I think maple and, and other tree syrup has, has a really great future. I mean, I, I mean, I left a really great job at Cornell to start my own company with my business partners, and I wouldn't have done that if I thought that this wasn't going to be a, a great industry for, for many decades, centuries, hopefully, to come. So... It's got all the right trends, you know, it's local, organic, even if it's not certified, pretty much organic. Um, it's natural, it tastes great. Um, it, it, it's what people are increasingly looking for as sweeteners. Um, even as people try to reduce their overall sugar intake as a national trend, maple continues to grow because people are switching away from other sugars to maple. Uh, you know, in the case of the other tree syrups too, that's more niche or novelty. But you know, people love the stuff, and, and people love the forest. They love stuff that comes from the forest. That, that you know that you're taking care of the forest, and still creating great products from it. You know, it, it's a win-win all the way around. You know, creating great jobs for people to be employed in the forest. There's, it's hard to find the downside. In you know, managing a forest for multiple benefits, creating jobs, and 
and creating all these great products that people love. So um, I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to do this. There's a lot of other people who also, you know, make a great living out of the forest doing it. And, you know, we're seeing maple syrup production continue to grow year after year. Um, sales continue to grow year after year. Um, and, you know, we didn't talk about it tonight, but most, almost always whenever I get on any type of radio or media program, maybe that's about climate change, which is a huge issue for the world that we need to deal with. But maple syrup community is going to come out just fine. Um, we can adapt. The trees are resilient. And, um, you know, I see a bright future with, with maple syrup as something that helps with climate change by preserving the forest. Um, you know, for, for many, many years to come. So I'm, I'm very optimistic on it, and I just look forward to continuing to do it. Mike, thanks for coming on tonight and taking the time. We really appreciate it, and uh, we wish you well, and we hope the business grows. Well, thank you very much. It was great, uh, great spending some time with you tonight. All right, thank you, and thank take you, care. If you just missed the show, this is From the Forest. That was the... Discover diversity of tree syrup with New Leaf Tree Syrups, Mike Farrell, and have a good night. Good night, everyone. Getting lost like a fool in the forest. And as he lay there sleeping, a vision did appear. Upon his mantle shining, the face of one so dear. his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at the games in an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town where the river runs down from the Soldier, the dawn will come no more. For the 